Welcome back to a serious series of utmost importance. The series, I'm Neil. And I'm Bono. I, if we're going by our, our display names, I'm... <laughs> yeah. The 1980s were the worst decade for music. Ouch. I think a lot of people would agree. Not people who grew up like in the a, 80s. I, I like a lot of 80s stuff just because of nostalgia, because my parents liked 80s music. That's fair, but I feel like even for nostalgia factor, the 70s are better. Yeah, they're better. A lot of the stuff that I was going through this list, I thought was from I thought would be from the 80s and it ended up being from the 70s, so we'll have to push it to the next episode. Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the 80s have a lot of good songs. Right. Just songs, not a lot of good... Albums. Not albums. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, the 70s and 60s have good albums, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But I agree. This was a very hard list for me to make. It actually took me a couple hours today. Oh, wow. How do you How do you usually put the list together? Do you just, like, sift through your music or something? I usually uh, go onto my last FM and uh, sort by most listened to... And I think you can filter it by decade. Oh, that's if cool. Not, I've never done that. I've, I've also in the past exported all of my listens. And I think it comes with song year. And then I sort it by song year. That's smart. I did not But do I have that. to double check. I haven't done that, the Excel thing in a while. But this one, it was more just, I looked at a bunch of um, like best albums of the 80s lists and went through them, saw what I was familiar with and picked some that I agreed with but that only got me to like six albums and then the rest of them i sort of have to had to hunt for how did you make yours it's a good question it was a mix of a bunch of stuff there were a couple where i was like definitely i just couldn't think about it right away like maybe like Mm -hmm. one or two and then (laughs) i looked up like on spotify 80s mix which is like a they just have you know curated list of music based on what you listen to and i just use that kind of to you know remind myself like oh yeah that's a good one i like that i did that and then i looked at yeah go ahead no no go finish up i was gonna say i looked up like rolling stone and pitchfork top albums of the 80s and then just i was just like scanned through that as like a last check to make sure i wasn't forgetting so the only problem with doing it by the streaming services is that, and uh, we've encountered this problem on some of the earlier uh, episodes in this decade series, but it's for, it was a little bit worse for this one. One of my albums actually is not available on Spotify. On this. Oh. One of them is not on any streaming service as of right now. Oh, we'll interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't know um, which one. I actually sorted mine by chronology this Year? time. Oh, me too. All right. You want to start? Let's get into it. Uh, sure, I can start. All right. What's your first album? All right. First album, as always, chronological, at least for me. Uh, I got The Police, Zenyatta Mondata. Um, this is... So The Police, I would say, is a tough one. I like a lot of songs by The Police. Again, going back to nostalgia factor, listening to the best of Sting and the Police, 
mm-hmm. as a kid, you kind of get, obviously, you get the best of all of their albums. So I never really listened to a full album much. But I would say in more recent years have tried to be like, what else is there besides the greatest hits? I think they have two really good ones. I think this one's really good. Um, and then Synchronicity is also a really good police album. Okay. On all their all their albums, they have great songs that you would recognize. But I think those are the two best that hold together. Um, um, so you might recognize some of these songs from this one, Zenyatta Mandata. Don't Stand So Close to Me. Ever heard of it? Uh, no, I have not heard of it. You're joking, right? I may have heard it. Okay, Don't Stand So Close to Me. It's just, uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me. Okay, the theme is uh, a school teacher who is admired by, <laughs> it's kind of weird, a high school girl, and he's trying, he's not, he's trying not to be a creep. So he's saying, don't stand so close to me. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Is he successful in his endeavors to not be a creep? I don't know. He's still saying, don't stand so close to me. But this is a good one. So Sting, Sting was, fun fact, he was a school teacher before he was in the police. So, and he's a good looking guy. This could have uh, been about him. In fact, it probably mm-hmm. was because he wrote it. <laughs> uh, other good ones. The do, 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 da, 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 da. Ever heard of that one? How does it go? The do, do, da, 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 da. That's all I want oh. to say. Do, yeah, that one. Great one. Uh, other good ones when the world is running down you make the best of what's still around i just say you should give a listen my one other fun fact about the police you everyone knows sting went on to have like a successful solo career doing his Mm -hmm. own thing as well as collaborating with such great artists as shaggy uh which (laughs) we talked about this in the 2000s episode but i I was lucky enough to see Sting and Shaggy perform in front of the Verizon Center or whatever it's called now before the DC before the, the Capitals game in the Stanley I Cup Finals. I forgot about that. That was pretty much the peak of music. I don't think that yeah. made it onto anyone's best of the 2010s list. No, no. I think we have to revise it. It should take every spot on the best of the 2010s list, actually. Yeah. So other uh, other. So the police are three person bands, you know, Sting, uh, I forget the lead guitarist's name, but the drummer, Stuart Copeland, he went on to be like a composer, sort of like video game composer. Oh, really? He wrote the music for Spyro the Dragon, which was very good. Played that a lot when I was a kid. And you can clearly notice the similarities between the video game music from Spyro the Dragon and the music of the police. If you, you don't even have to listen that closely. It's pretty obvious. I can't tell if you're joking. I'm total. I'm dead serious. You should check no, it like out. I believe like, that he composed it, but do the, does the music actually sound yeah. similar? Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. I, I, it does. Um, I'll give it a, 
re-listen. It's good music. Well, I, honestly, I've never really listened to any of the Police. I've listened I'm surprised. to some solo stuff. And I, the only Police song I think I know is Every Breath You Take. Oh, um, yeah. I hate I that song. I always thought that was pretty rapey. Yeah, not it rapey, is. Stalkery. Yeah, I think that's the point. So, so so far in Sting's uh, Sting lyricism, goes, yeah, he goes some weird places. He there's one song called uh, "Murder by the Numbers," mm-hmm. and it's a point of view of a serial killer. It's also it's a great song, very catchy. Sting was in Only Murders in the Building, season one. That's right. That's right. In my opinion, a better cameo than Amy. Uh, what's her name? Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely a downgrade for season two. I think I'm sure there'll be someone else for season three. So, what do you got? What's first on your list of albums? First on my list of albums uh, by chronology and alphabetically is ACDC "Back in Black" from 1980. Good. Good choice. I saw this, and it was a strong consideration. Um, and obviously, as we were saying at the beginning, it's it's getting harder to make these lists, and so I don't listen to ACDC probably as much as, I don't know. Actually, I don't think a lot of people our generation listen to ACDC as like, no. A foundational rock band, but they were a foundational rock band. And this was probably uh, their best album, even I'd say beyond like the arbitrary decade distinction. I think this is probably the best ACDC album. Yeah, it has all of the best songs, in my opinion. I mean, there's some other good ones, but if you really think about their best songs, I would think it's all on this. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling up the track list right now, and we have pretty stacked. It is pretty stacked. Back side B is pretty stacked. Back in black, you shook me all night long. Um, Hell's bell, shoot to thrill is side A. So there, so I mean, we are missing some of the bigger ACDC songs, also Highway to Hell and stuff, which is right. the previous album, but. Um, this was their first album with uh, with Brian Johnson because their previous yeah. singer for the first six albums died of alcohol poisoning. Yeah. And that's why the album title and cover are black in uh, Sign of Morning uh... for Bon Scott. Um, I like ACDC. I mean... They're some, I mean, some of it's just undeniable, like good rock stuff. Mm-hmm. Some of it's actually like really funny. Um, I, I feel like their earlier stuff was uh, funnier. And this was more like album, hard rock. What album has I, <laughs> big balls? That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> that's a great song. Um, I have an article up here about the creation of this album. And it was two days after Bon Scott's funeral, guitarist Angus and Malcolm Young went back to work on new riffs. Damn. That's how they cope. Yeah. I guess so. I'm trying to see if this uh, I would, Pearls. On this song, 
on this album. Another song, which I've, I'm pretty sure I've heard a few times, but just look at the track list. The name, Let Me Put My Love Into You, sticks out. It's just it's not a good one. Real romantic. Ooh. Um, you Shook Me All Night Long was one of the songs the U.S. military <laughs> blasted at the Papal Nunciatura in Panama City at Christmas Day 1989 to convince oh. dictator General Manuel Noriega to surrender. Yes. Yeah, didn't they just like play music 24-7? Like nonstop? I think so. That's crazy. That's actually really funny. Um, let's see what Pitchfork gave the album. Oh. I'm surprised they rated 8. it. 8.8. I honestly can't. Yeah, I'd agree. Doesn't seem like a pitchfork thing, though. No. This um, is one of our few Australian bands, by the way. I think Dave and Paul is probably the only, only other one we've talked about. Well, that's because their scale is different than ours. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What do you mean? Their musical scale. It goes the opposite direction. Oh, in Australia? Yeah. That's right. Southern Hemisphere goes counterclockwise. Yeah, exactly. Are you just referencing that Simpsons episode? Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, wait. What, what about King next? Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard? Aren't they Australian? Oh, they're, they are Australian. You're right. They, they are quite prolific. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. They were probably one of my best uh, 2020s albums. I think so. Yeah. Who do you got next? All right. All right. Next, I got uh, Still in the Year 1980. I got Talking Heads, Remain in Light. Uh, Talking Heads, one of my favorite bands. As, you know, as certain fans who know the preview that of, of unpublished episodes know. Our talking heads yet to be published. I think by the time this episode is actually published, the okay. talking heads episode will be out. This is a great album. It's their most critically acclaimed album. It came like right in the middle of their career. It was the last album that they collaborated with Brian Eno on as their uh, producer. They did. This is their fourth album. Their second, third, and fourth. They all did with. Brian Eno, and were probably their mo like their three most kind of experimental, or at least kind of breaking new grounds and doing weird, weird stuff that had never been done before. Uh, so this one, Remain in Light, introduced a lot. Like I think they had all been listening to a lot of African music, like Fela Kuti, stuff like that, and so they integrated some riffs and beats from African music and just kind of like it wasn't like you know it wasn't like copying African music but it was kind of like integrating it in and then bringing that together with like rock and new wave I guess music mm -hmm. um, so yeah uh, track list I mean one of their most famous songs if not most famous is on this once in a lifetime 
um, it's a great song. It's played extensively on classic rock radio, but I think still a good one. Um, other great I wish one. That yeah. The amount that you guys like the Talking Heads, I feel like I have to listen to them. Yeah, I would say like I didn't like them. They didn't stand out to me for a long time, and then at some point, you know how like sometimes you don't like something musically for a long time, and then it's like what for whatever reason it clicks, and that happened to me at, at some point. Um, Is that how Juliana fell in love with you? No, that how. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Yes, actually, that's that's pretty accurate. Um, you took her to a Talking Heads concert. That's what persistent. I yeah. Um, Wait, actually, are they still touring? Are they alive? No. So they um, they broke up in the late '80s. Actually, maybe technically early '90s. Um, they don't like each other. Like they are pretty open about that. At least. Two of them really don't like the lead singer, David Byrne. Uh, probably because he's a weird art artist guy and he's probably a typical artist who's difficult to work with mm -hmm. and just kind of an oddball. But he's great. I mean, I love David Byrne. I did see him with Jake in DC. It was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Um, he... He did a play, or is that somebody else? He's done... So, he... He did a Broadway show, which was basically the concert that I saw with Jake back in 2018. They did, like, a full full tour, and then they just brought the show onto Broadway and just kind of did it on Broadway for, like, a long time. Pre-COVID. Utopia, then, is that the one? Yeah, American Utopia. That's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. It's really good. Um, I think they it's also, on Netflix. It's on HBO. Um, oh, okay. They filmed it. It's worth a watch. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, like, Spike Lee directed it. I mean, I don't know. Hmm. Like, Martin Scorsese has directed Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone's um, concert series. I feel like some directors just like to randomly pick a concert as a side project but yeah it's directed by spike lee fun fact peter jackson did that beatles documentary too right so it's like yeah, a side right did the gig. sparks documentary yeah oh that's like a little more work that's putting together that is, i mean peter jackson's thing is like 12 hours long right yeah i haven't actually seen it have you me neither i heard it was good but long Remain in light, what else to say? Um, it's um, it's pretty short. It's kind of a weird crossover of rock and sort of electronic-ish. Uh, and like, yeah, a little bit of African music, although you, it's pretty subtle, I would say. Um, yeah, the first three songs on this are, like, awesome. Born Under Punches, Cross-Eyed and Painless, and The Great Curve. 
fantastic songs. I'll give them a listen. Yeah. Um, All right, you're up. Anything else about the song? All right. Uh, my second one is <clears throat> Ozzy Osbourne, 1981 album, The Blizzard of Oz. Actually, it's just called Blizzard of Oz, not the... And Oz is with two oh. Zs. Okay, so when I didn't, when I saw the, when I heard the name, I didn't recognize it, and then when I saw the album cover, I was like, "Oh yeah, I know, I definitely recognize this." So, <laughs> the background of this album is that Ozzy Osbourne was in Black Sabbath, was fired in 1979, which is crazy because he was like because he was the, the lead singer. <laughs> okay, why was he fired? So he. Uh, missed six weeks of recording sessions because he was uh, drinking and doing drugs and also he had writer's block oh do you think drinking and doing drugs had something to do with it maybe he was living in a rundown hotel that he could barely afford at the time because he spent so much money on cocaine and booze oh my god and then uh yeah, so they fired him, and they, I think, did okay. He probably would have gone an entirely different direction in his career and life, but then one of the, I think, the manager or the producer or something, someone affiliated with Black Sabbath, thought that Ozzy still had a lot of juice in the tank. He just needed, like, a positive influence on him. So she basically, like, helped him become productive again Hmm. i don't know if that involved fully being like absent i don't think ozzy osbourne has ever been abstinent or anything but at least like he became a functional right human again and then he put together this new band and they uh and he wrote this album with them and for a while they were just called the blizzard of oz band and then i think they just it was just under his name as a solo artist but it's a pretty good album. Um, I will say it, this is one of the ones that I sort of had to struggle to come up with um, for the list. So mm-hmm. I don't fully know every song on this album. But I've listened to them all at least once through today. And they're all pretty okay. solid. And it has my absolute favorite metal song on it. So that alone, I think, warrants its place in the list. Yeah, but do you like the Weezer version better? Of Crazy Train? Yeah. Wait, Weezer did a Crazy Train? Remember, they have a song that's called a totally different name, but it's basically oh Crazy Train. Oh my god, Train. you're right. It's on the Weezer <laughs> metal album, the Black yeah. album. It's like something blue or something. Yes. Oh my god. We gotta do a Weezer. Or is it not Van Weezer? Oh, yes. No, it's on Van Weezer. The Black Album is something It's called Blue Dream. I can't believe it. I completely forgot about that. So, my memory... So, you're talking about Crazy Train. When we were first friends, we went to that, like, Steve... um, John Stewart thing in D.C. on the mall. Yes. And he... It was, like, the rally to restore sanity or something yeah that worked and stephen colbert yeah Stephen colbert had like the march 
for like insanity or something. I don't know. A counter counter movement. And John Stewart brought on Cat Stevens to sing Peace Train. And it was interrupted by Crazy Train by actual Ozzy Osbourne. That was pretty, pretty amazing. amazing. Um, I actually completely forgot about that. But yeah, yeah that's that's really all you need to ever see of Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. I think he officially retired from touring and making music this year. Okay. Because he can no longer function. I really like Ozzy Osbourne. I like him. I think he turned his life and uh, reputation around by just generally being who he is and not being like a jerk he just he's just like a old school rocker he did a lot of drugs he wears that on his sleeves he bit the head off a bat i was gonna say was that before or after this (laughs) that was after this right i think i think in the 90s you know he's just a really uh down-to-earth guy who hasn't bitten the head off a bat here and there uh this is a little off subject but how do you feel about um black sabbath how do I feel about Black Sabbath? I feel pretty good about Black Sabbath. Um, I I think I don't know their entire body of work. Same way I don't really know Ozzy Osbourne's entire body of work. But the songs that are like the heavy hitters from theirs, I think I really like. Uh, let me actually just pull up their This Is Black Sabbath. I know Sabbath. your favorite. Your favorite is War Pigs, right? I love War Pigs. probably my favorite, too. Yeah. Um, it still kind of bothers me that uh, War Pigs and Luke's Wall are always on the uh, uh, the song together. I, I don't like even War know. Pigs on its own. Yeah. Luke's and I Wall, like I don't even really. Yeah. Um, those are from the album Paranoid, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Hey, yeah, it's okay. So, you should. That whole album is really good. Which one? Paranoid? Yeah, Paranoid's really good, and so is Black Sabbath, the album. And Black Sabbath, the album. Yeah. Black Sabbath, the album, as far as I know, is the only. Is Black Sabbath are the only band who have an album named after them and also have a song in that album also named black sabbath so black sabbath's first album was called black sabbath and there is a song called black sabbath on it wow which that that feels like there has to be another band that where that's the case i there has to be but it's it's common for an album right but not naming a song after your band Also, that reminds yeah, me. Yeah, I can't you're, think of anything. When you were a kid, and when you looked at Wikipedia, and it said the album is called self-titled, did you think that it was actually called self-titled? No, or am I just an idiot? <laughs> um, I won't say you're an idiot, but I never, okay. you know, I actually just don't think I ever encountered that as a kid. Fair enough. All right, who's your next one? Okay, next one, still in 1980, uh, it's The Clash, Sandinista. 
It's a great album. It took me again a long time to get into it. It's kind of crazy. This is like a. It's a triple. It's not a double album. It's a triple album. It is 144 minutes long. It's fucking really long. And it was it was released one year after they released London Calling, which is considered their best album. And it was also a double album. So it's just insane how prolific they were in like a two-year period. And they probably could have stretched it out into multiple albums, but they <clears throat> chose not to for some reason. Cocaine. Maybe. Um, going back to Nicaragua, <laughs> this this is called Sandinista. Refers to the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. Um, this yeah. So like I said, it's it is a monster behemoth behemoth of a of an album. I'm just counting one, two, three, four, five, six. There's 36 songs on this album. It's a triple album. They're not all winners. I've never listened to the whole thing back front to back because it's so long. But there's some really good songs on here. Um, it's honestly like not really a lot of their biggest ones. Um, so it kind of feels like sort of a deep cut. Um, album where it's like fans of the clash are really into it but it's not as as big uh good songs include like magnet magnificent seven is probably the biggest hit it's the first song um lightning strikes not once but twice is great uh actually okay police on my back are on this that was a big big one washington bullets the Equalizer, Lose the Skin, Charlie Don't Surf. There's a lot of good ones. There's some weird ones in here. They re-recorded a song they had called Career Opportunities, but it was uh, sung by, I believe, some of the band's children, uh, or at least like one of their like son, who is probably like three years old. Uh, so it's kind of random and like a ton of weird shit thrown in here but it's really good i think there's a lot of good stuff and you just gotta you just gotta pick the stuff that you like from it and because there's a lot i would also just add one thing um they're a punk band right the clash is a punk band that's what they're known for but london calling they started to expand a little bit beyond just punk music and this one is like fully into all like all kind of all over the place in terms of genres. So it's saying like according to Wikipedia, right, across these various genres, including funk, reggae, jazz, gospel, rockabilly, folk, dub, rhythm and blues, calypso, disco, and rap. It's like kind of all over the place, messy, but really good. I feel like some of the really good rock bands have that period of experimentation. Totally. They're kind of tired of just doing the same thing and they want to, I think once you make it big too, you realize like you get more exposed to 
other great artists and other genres and get interested in what they do. Yeah, like, um, well, just in a more modern example. Uh, actually, this is this isn't really applicable because uh, I was thinking of Vampire Weekend and like their sort of influences, um, like African pops, uh, like African type. Uh, beat They've always kind of been sort into built that, into though. them from the beginning. Yeah, so um, Arctic Monkeys, they were yeah. uh, another successful British rock band. Uh, many years later, they uh, had their style. And they encountered uh, the most boring genre of music and incorporated that into their last <laughs> yeah. two albums. So they've really changed. Yeah. I mean, even going back to like the Beatles, right? They changed. And it yeah. was, I guess they, I guess kind of, not really. They incorporated some Indian music, mainly just like in two or three songs. But no, that's actually a really good example because they, yeah, they did. They had their early '60s a uh, couple of albums Pop. that were that one British. style. They got yeah. really big, and then they like totally incorporated changed. the that uh, the Indian type of music. They yeah, they went on that yeah trip to India. Met what's his face that that weird culty guru guy, and uh, then that's why my dad liked George Harrison, and that's why I grew up listening to a lot of the Beatles. Yeah interesting connection i mean i guess it's the 60s right yeah see 60s and 70s they're going to be easier lists to put together they are i'm actually this is making me look forward to those like there's it's going to be actually hard to narrow it down i think yeah but like the clash even in this 1980s episode we're talking about an album that they put out in the 1980s but we're talking about it partially in comparison to what they've done in the 1970s because yeah, like, their most famous album was the year before. Yeah, like 1979. I thought about including it because technically it came out in January 1980 in the US, but I'm I'm going to save it for the 70s. Um, that's, fair. that's fair. Anything else about The Clash? Nope. What do you got? Um, I just want to jump back really quick to uh, to one thing that we were talking about with the Ozzy album, the yeah. Weezer song "Blue Dream." Uh, it premiered on an episode of The Simpsons that aired on May tenth, twenty twenty. Really? Yeah, Weezer guest starred in an episode of The Simpsons, and the debut of "Blue Dream" was in that episode. And in the episode, a segment of the song's guitar solo can be heard during a chase sequence. And I'm wondering if that's just the solo from Crazy Train. Yeah, most people are probably just thought it was Crazy Train. Um, all right, my crazy next album is. Can I just say? Yeah, it's a dumb comment, but the song's so good. Just it's I feel like such a good song. On a run or something, and comes on. Always there are always motivates. It's me. definitely one of the all-time great uh, running songs. I will say the other one that no matter like how tired I am in a run that'll get me like pumped up is have you seen Attack on Titan? No. That's a song uh, for that. One of the later seasons theme songs is like a heavy metal. Uh um, cuz you know anime anime shows they change the theme song every half a season. And they have like yeah. a lot of metal sometimes. Yeah, and this one is like the metalist metal one. It's just like a guy screaming it's called the rumbling (laughs) 
It's amazing. It's one of the best songs of all time. All right. So my next album is Michael Jackson, his 1982 album, Thriller. Never heard of it. So there's this guy. You remember, you know the Jackson 5? Yeah. Little Michael Jackson. <laughs> Those brothers. Yeah. No, so Thriller... Um, it almost needs no explanation because it's like the, what it's the most sold album of all time or something like that. Wow. Um, but let me just pull up the track list. Most songs on this are like completely classic Michael Jackson songs. Mm-hmm. So obviously there is. Thriller and the music video for Thriller sort of helped popularize music videos as uh, as a whole. It was released on its own in theaters and it made an Oscar play. It was huge. Yeah. I want to be uh, sorry. Want to be starting something is on it. Baby be mine. The girl is mine. Beat it. Billy Jean. Human nature. Uh, Pyt. Pretty much yeah. every song on this is a classic. Yeah, it's pretty stacked. It's uh, it's probably I think it's the best Michael Jackson album. And it's it See, now I'm getting into going up against things I've said in prior episodes in this sub-series cuz it I, it was I was just reminded of um an acquaintance of mine who uh a work friend who every time anything Michael Jackson came up on uh, on like a playlist she was she like made us skip it because of all his weird allegations and stuff that uh, came out but and then in, in other instances I would have probably agreed but I don't know because you were always on the other side of this you were always on the side of separate the music from the artist yeah. so I want to be able to do that but I don't know how I'm probably going to cut mean, this my... whole part out my question to her would be like, why? Like, why? Like, why do you want to? What if we all want to listen to it? Why are you saying we should skip it? Like, is it causing you pain inside or something? Or, or my, or if I'm cynical, are you just trying to look like um, a good person and like? I feel like I stand against. I... Like no shit. Who is <laughs> none of us support? Being a creep pedophile. So I, but I, I don't stand by it for the Michael Jackson stuff, and that, and my reasoning for that is that he's dead and he's not benefiting from it regardless. Right. So like when Chris Brown comes on, I am happy. I am happy to skip that. That guy is still a jerk, and he still almost beat a woman to death. Um. Yeah. yeah I don't know. That to me, that's maybe my my threshold. Is, is so my if Chris Brown dies, would you be like, person. let's put it on, baby. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I will listen to Lil Dicky more. Ah, uh, okay. I was really disappointed I mean, that Lil Dicky did a collab with Chris Brown. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's, it's a really Chris... good song, too. <laughs> I, it's an interesting uh, distinction that you draw. I mean, at least you have something i guess 
Yeah, again, um, I'm going to cut this part out because I don't think it makes it for a good <laughs> a part of the episode, but I was just curious what your thoughts were. Honestly, for me, I might also say skip Michael Jackson, but only because I've heard beat it like 800 times. I'm like, I'm, let's just do something else, please. We'll cut back into the episode at this point. What is uh, your favorite song on Thriller? Mm, great question. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna actually say, "Wanna be starting something." That's a really good option. That's a good contender. I'm gonna go Billy Jean. Billy Jean. That's actually the one I would. That's probably the one I would skip most. I like it. it I think it's great. You like it yes. Okay. No, because I've heard it the most. You know what um, Owen is picking is The Lady in My Life. I have never heard that song before. I don't know if I have either. It's the only song on the surprise I didn't mention. Surprise, surprise. Not written by Michael Jackson. The writer written is some by, other guy. Rod Temperton. Written by Rod Temperton. <laughs> Uh, I like oh, Pretty God. Young Thing, too. PYT. Human Nature is kind of funny that it's, like, so melodramatic. I kind of like it. Why? Why? That is human nature. Didn't Michael Jackson also own all the, like, Beatles um, he, rights yes, or something? He did. he did. He did. Like I think that maybe it was after this album came out that he bought the records. Like, that's some crazy. Time down the line. Yeah. All right. Who do you got next? All right. Uh, who do I got next? Oh. All right. Jumping ahead. 1983. I got Violent Femmes. The album Violent Femmes by Violent Femmes. This is a great one. Uh, I guess it's like punk. Um, yeah, I think it's what is referred to as folk punk. Because uh, I don't... I think they... I think they use like an acoustic guitar in this. Um, I might be way off, but it was a great one. Everybody knows Blister in the Sun was off this great song. I gotta be, I gotta be honest. I, I, I know that song. I always assumed Violent Femmes were like a '90s alt rock band. No, they just got a lot of playtime in like the '90s. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah. It's surprising that it was 1983, right? Yeah, like definitely. Pretty early in the 80s. Um, this song is real. I mean, this album is really good. Like, it's pretty stacked. They're not all great, but Western Sun is obviously good. Kiss Off is really good. Add It Up is really good. Please Do Not Go is good. Prove My Love is good. Gone Daddy Gone. Ugly. And the uh, bonus edition is good. Um, pretty amazing. I So the only song I've heard on this is Blister in the Sun. And yeah. I've heard Gone Daddy Gone, but I've never heard the Violent Femmes version of Gone Daddy Gone. It, oh, really? The, uh, yeah, there's a version by Gnarls Barkley, a cover of it. Oh, I didn't know that. Does it also have yeah. like a xylophone in it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they picked. Yeah, it's like the only xylophone song I've ever <laughs> heard, but it's pretty good. 
stands out. It was in Tony Hawk's uh, Project 8. Ah, okay. The seminal 2006 video game. Hell yeah. This seems like a Tony Hawk type album. Uh, I think you would really like Kiss Off and Add It Up. They're both kind of angry. Um, actually, yeah, they are both very angry. Like, the hmm. lead singer, Gordon Gano, seemed like a very frustrated guy back then. Maybe he still is, I don't know. I'll add into uh, my angsty teenage girl playlist with Olivia Rodrigo. Oh yeah, that's good. You should you should add it. Uh, add it up. Um, I don't know what else to say about this band. To be honest, they're from Wisconsin. Not a lot of bands that's from why Wisconsin. So angry. Yeah, probably. Uh, I feel like I didn't do any. I I didn't do. I'll be upfront. I didn't do any research besides picking so all of this is from memory which means half of it is made up so um i'm pretty sure oh, that's okay this was this was a hard episode to even even coming up with the list was a triumph for this episode yeah. i think here's my story about this album and I, I think it's true but i might be confusing it with something else they uh this was their first album uh that he used an acoustic guitar right they were kind of like buskers and like had written these songs and were kind of like playing them and then some someone came along and like found them and like oh that's amazing and then like signed them to a deal and they just like recorded all the songs that they had been playing i mean they probably were playing like local shows and stuff too but so they got their start um and they definitely still you know blistering the sun obviously 40 years later, still gets a lot of playtime on, like, you know, alternative rock. Actually, I don't listen to those rock, alternative rock stations anymore, but Blitz at least 30 years. about masturbating, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to... I don't really know... I don't really get how, but that's what they say. That might just be an urban legend. Let me see. What is Blister in the Sun about? <clears throat> the first uh, result is the long misinterpreted meaning behind blister in the sun. <laughs> I think it's an urban legend. Dingy. It's not about masturbation. Yeah, I think it is. So the, the Gordon Gano responded in a 2013 interview that masturbation never even crossed his mind when writing the tune. He says, <clears throat> it was maybe 10 or 15 years later when somebody was asking me about that song and said something like, well, you know, you know what that song's about? I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And they said, well, everybody knows you wrote it. And I'm like, what? And they told me the song was about masturbation. I had never thought of that, but I could see where people get the idea. I think it's because it's uh, my girlfriend. She's at the end. She's starting to cry. And also, big hands. I know you're the one, right? It's because of those two lines. It's about the feelings that come from drug abuse. Oh, interesting. So it's the reverse, where people are always like, oh, that song's about drugs. And it's not. But this one actually is. I like the big, the big hands line is, uh, he says... I just thought of big hands because mine are small. 
and <laughs> he apparently had a crush on a girl in his youth, but she wouldn't date him because of the size of his hands. That's hilarious. Hmm. All right. Anything else about Violent Femmes? No, let's keep moving. All right, my next album is <clears throat> Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, 1984. Ah, yes. I can really see you as a big Springsteen guy. Because we did go to that concert. <laughs> I was about to say we did. I forgot. We are big Springsteen guys. I think we're officially considered the war, like... I think we're officially not Springsteen fans after our experience from that concert. Yeah, that was that was one of the worst concerts. And actually, that reminds me, right now, people are kind of mad at Bruce Springsteen because he signed up for the uh, Ticketmaster dynamic pricing system. So oh. some of his new tour, his concert tickets are for like the best seats are like thousands of dollars. Holy shit. So uh, like his... He had a long-running fan publication that just announced last week that they're stopping publication in protest of him signing up for this uh, this scheme. Wow. So, yeah, he's kind of... Uh, regardless. He doesn't need the good money. Good album, Born in the USA. No, he doesn't need the money. Uh, um, Born in the USA. Is it? Uh, yes, it is. And here's why. It has the song Born in the USA. <laughs> Yeah. It has Dancing in the Dark. All right, good song. And it has I'm Going Down. What about Glory Days? Never heard it. Really? Yeah, I haven't listened to every song in this album. but I feel like that's the other one that got played on the radio besides Born in the USA. And maybe Dancing in the Dark. I'm Going Down is one of the best uh, songs that I've never by heard. Vampire Weekend. By Vampire Weekend? Yeah, they do a cover of it, and it, uh, it's actually a really good cover. And it I've incorporates never... Waka Waka by Shakira. Holy crap, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's a really good song. Um, the Bruce Springsteen version is good too, but the Vampire Weekend version is the best version. Born in the okay. USA is commonly misinterpreted as a, uh, as a patriotic song. Which I always find interesting. It's always at like right wing rallies. It's because a lot of people are dumb. Yeah, Republicans are stupid. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I would All say our that. The Republican listeners are going <laughs> to protest. I would also say Glory Days is also two songs on. Like Glory Days is about. It's, the, it's about, you know, hey, remember when we were in high school and like all this stuff and those are your glory days, like, and you're, mm-hmm. and you're kind of peaked in high school. And it's... Yeah, the Republican it, anthem. And it's appreciated by people who peaked in high school and they're like, yeah, that's our tune. But I don't think they and, get a um, sense. I'm Going Down is commonly uh, misinterpreted by Republicans as uh, a song about women going down on... <laughs> I'll just stop it. Was there an interview where some guy said to Bruce Springsteen, oh, yeah, I know what it's about. You know what it's about. You wrote it. It's about going down. He's like, I never, that never crossed my mind when I was ready. It's about masturbation. What are you talking about? I thought it was about going down under to uh, Australia on tour. (laughs) 
It's about going to see ACDC in concert. What are you talking about? <laughs> Um, I like Springsteen. I'm not a big. I like him as much as I'm not a. I'm not a Springsteen fan because they his fans are big, like where it's like, I feel like some of them are like, yeah, I only listen to Bruce Springsteen. I don't listen to other music, and I don't. I'm yeah. not down. I I think I appreciate this album. This this is again. I've said it many times already. This episode coming up with albums in the 80s that are consistently that can be ranked amongst the best albums is hard but i think this qualifies because of at least a few of its singles are sort of the iconic springsteen songs it's probably his most successful record and he is a successful influential musician to the point that you know 30 40 50 years later we're still listening to some of these songs so i think on its Mm -hmm. own at least same way that thriller, same way with thriller, same way with uh, some of the other ones we've been talking about. I think that it earns a place on the top ten of the decade. That's fair. I would say, like I, in terms of the his hit songs, I don't, I don't find "Born in the USA" to be very good. Um, like I'm not a big fan. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, that's going too far. It's it's a good song. But it's it's not my favorite Springsteen song. I would also say, kind of going through the list, especially like more on the Pitchfork side, I think his most critically acclaimed album is from the '80s, and it's not Born in the USA. It's Nebraska. Have you ever heard that? I've heard of it. Uh, let me just pull up the track list. It's all acoustic. He he was originally gonna write it as like a regular e street band album and then he i think he just was like these got i kind of want to go in a different direction and he like recorded all of them by himself Hmm. just him and an acoustic guitar um it's good it's like very different it's way darker you know he kind of has like the sings about working class stuff and this he sings about like kind of like the really like sad (laughs) sad and bleak aspects of working class you know rust belt america Mm -hmm. um and then born in the usa is kind of the other side of the coin sort of right in some ways um what is your favorite springsteen song i just said None of the ones from Born Ever? in the USA are... Oh, from Born in the USA? No, no, in general. What is your favorite Springsteen song at all? Song? I like probably Thunder Road. Okay. Um, Tangent. Did you see that movie, Thunder Road? Thunder Road? Yeah. No. What is it? It's, uh, it's, I don't think it's related to the song. It just takes the name from the song. It's a movie from a couple years ago about... Uh, Sort of just like a, a small scale indie film character study type of thing, but it got really good reviews. Oh no! What else is on Born to Run? I mean, not Born to Run, Born in the USA. Um, I think we covered everything that I wanted to mention about it. Um, what's your next album? All right, next one. Back to Talking Heads. Speaking in tongues. Um, 
also critically acclaimed, probably less so than Remain in Light, but um, frankly, I actually listen to it a lot more than Remain in Light. Um, I will say, just put it out there, we, Jake and I talked about this on our Talking Heads episode, by far the most popular song from this album, and number two isn't even close, is Burning Down the House. Terrible song. I hate it. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Burning Down the House. Why? Uh, it's just obnoxious. It's annoying. Um, I don't know. I think I hate that people like it so much, too. I think it's like the hipster tendency or like contrarian tendency. But if you put Burning Down the House, the biggest hit in their career aside, this is a great album. Um, it's kind of weird. It's a little bit goes and continues from Remain in Light, which is um, just unusual influences, probably still more African and Latin American stuff, but like weird lyrics and just kind of comes together in weird ways. Some great songs, Making Flippy Floppy, fantastic song. Uh, Girlfriend is Better is actually really good. Slippery People, Swamp. Uh, this Must Be the Place, Naive Melody. That's actually a great song and pretty popular. That's probably the one out there that I have listened to the most. Yeah. Um, I will say, half of the reason I really like this album is because around this time, they released an album and video... Uh, like concert video called stop making sense which is great um it was it's a great live album it has a lot of the songs from this one and i think the live versions are as good if not better as the studio ones so um it goes a long way like you can listen to the live version you can listen to the studio version and if you watch the concert video itself too, it's like great, interesting choreography. I think it's really good. I think Jake thinks it's overrated, but I think I think he's an idiot. So it's it's just a I don't know, great album. Um, Between this and, uh, episode and the Talking Heads episode, I'm uh, ashamed that I haven't listened to more Talking Heads. So I'm gonna do my best to remedy that. You should do it. I mean, I would say I will be the first to admit, though, like, it's probably not, I'm not really sure what the what the right starting point in terms of accessible, you know, album is, but. I'm going to go reverse chronologically. Yeah. Yeah, that, that probably won't work very well. <laughs> um, I don't have that much else to say. It's a great, okay. great album. Um, check out Stop Making Sense, too. All right. So, what do you got? Uh, my next one is Paul Simon's 1986 album, Graceland. Oh. And this album is one of the few, like, full albums that uh, I was a big fan of from the 80s before searching out full albums from the 80s. 
back in 2014, 2015. I think I got really into it. I can't exactly remember mm. why, but um, it is uh, Paul Simon's most successful studio album, his highest charting album. Yeah. It, he made it after his relationship with uh, Garfunkel again deteriorated and his marriage to Carrie Fisher collapsed. Yeah. And he, uh, like we were talking about with the other album and, and with the other like musical trend of uh, going for African influences or at least like a different type of influence to switch around your music, this one is heavily, heavily uh, African inspired. Yeah. Um, it's, he, he wanted to, I think initially just sample a, a South African group and he just ended up making uh, an album sort of with them helping him a few different South African groups helping him but it's it's a great album um, there is there are some controversy that he uh, broke the boycott against South Africa doing oh. this but um, many that was many years ago so right now I'd say the boy in the bubble Graceland diamonds on the sole of her shoes you can call me Al and uh, under African skies are uh, worth checking out from this album, and you can call me Al might be his most famous single. Yeah, I think you're breaking up a little bit. By the way, oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I might just be sitting too far from the microphone. <laughs> Maybe, mostly there. But I, I heard most of that. Um, this is, I would say, this is pretty close to top of my list of really good albums that I've just never, I never really made an effort to listen to and I've wanted to. That's fair. Most of your lists are things that I've never made an effort to listen to, but yeah. I wanted to. <laughs> right. Um, but this one sounds great. I love that. I mean, I really, I like, <laughs> well, I, I guess like you were saying, like a lot, I, Talking Heads, were influenced by African music. I guess a, probably a lot of artists in the 80s or 70s were influenced by African music. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's considered his like masterpiece, right? And um, Yeah, it is. I don't think, I haven't listened to any other album by him. I've listened to other songs by him. Yeah. Uh, is it named after Graceland, like Elvis, where Elvis lived? <laughs> I believe so. I can't really think of any why else it would be called Graceland. Why is Graceland by Paul Simon called Graceland? I would also say the only song I do know is You Can Call Me Al. That's a good one. He... He came up with, uh, he named the album Graceland because of the song Graceland. And he came up with the track, uh, he called the track Graceland because it reminded him of the Sun Record sound where Elvis recorded. So, yes, it is related to Elvis. Interesting. All right. What else you got? Okay. Next, I got Prince. Purple Rain. Damn it. This album used to be top of my list of albums 
have not gotten into but would like to. I'm fine. I'm glad I finally got there because it's fantastic. Um, I don't know. Like they're all they're all good songs on it. Do you like Prince? Are you a fan? I've never. I've listened to him a couple of times. Okay. I've never listened to this album. It's one of those ones that I've heard about so much that I want to listen to. But is he on, is is he on streaming services? Yeah. He's he on is. Spotify. Okay. He wasn't for a while, I think. Yeah, then he died, though. Yeah. And then it was all for grabs. I'm not actually sure if that's true. I've just been being disrespectful. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a cool dude. Um, he His music is unique. I mean, it's like rock, funk, uh, sort of R&B. Eh, no, rock and funk, I would say. Um but he kind of just like does, it feels like he does his own thing and it's kind of like Prince this is just really unique music um, yeah I've, I agree with that of the songs that I've heard um, and that's sort yeah. of always been the vibe associated with him yeah and he's by all accounts was sort of a mysterious guy like you never really knew much about him I think he wasn't really close to a lot of people <clears throat> I think um, my main impression of Prince is from the Chappelle's show sketches that yeah. involve Prince. Which also go to like him being kind of weird and <laughs> mysterious. Uh, Purple Rain, if you want to get into Prince, this is the best way to do it. Because it has songs that you would know. Right? So like When Doves Cry is probably the most recognizable one. Um but like let's go crazy is great and recognizable i would die for you baby i'm a star when you listen to it though it's like it 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 is front to back pretty stacked and like awesome just like bulletproof album really good is there is there not a song called purple rain there is it's the last song oh okay yeah i was about to be like oh my god cuz yeah. i always thought it was a song <laughs> It is. It's kind of like a slower song. Uh, it's kind of like a closing big ballad sort of thing. Um, I didn't put it on my list, but I easily could have. The other really great, I think there's actually a lot, but the one I really like, Prince album, was the one right before this. 1999. Great. Really great. Way more funky. Um... It has other, like the two big songs you would know are like 1999, right? Mm-hmm. And Little Red Corvette. But beyond that, I've it heard has that like... One. Yeah. Uh, 1999, you should listen to that song. It's really good. It, and this, 1999 has a lot of like really awesome, like funky, long songs that are really cool. And again, like very unique. So one day... One day, you'll listen to Prince and you'll like it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. It took me, took me a really long time, but one day it kind of stuck for me. I will one day listen to Prince. Yeah. Not today, but one day. 
Yeah. What's next for you? So next I have the Beastie Boys 1986 album, Licensed to Ill. Okay, before we get into it, did you confirm that this is actually from the 80s? Wasn't yes, the last Beastie Boys also from the 80s? <laughs> yes, this is from 1986. <laughs> okay, good. It is the this first hip-hop album to top the Billboard charts. Oh, really? Um, mm-hmm. It's racist. It has probably some of the the most lasting Beastie Boys songs. It's inspired by Run DMC. And yeah, also sense. Run DMC wrote some of the music on this with them. Hmm. Let me just pull up the track list. Girls, Fight for Your Right, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, Paul Revere, and Brass Monkey. Mm-hmm. Top five on this album. This is a good Wait. album. This is a good album. I listened to it in its entirety for the first time probably last year. And it's a fun listen. I mean, you got those hits sprinkled in, but then it's like some good super old school hip hop, right? Yeah. With like MCs it's, and the D and the DJ. Those are good. It's in, uh, it's named after what well what do you think it's named after? I mean license to ill it sounds like license to kill. Which yes. makes me think of James Bond. Yes, so it's actually yeah, license to kill. It's it's named after James Bond but not after the James Bond movie License to Kill, because that came out after this movie. It's based oh. on a parody James Bond movie that came out before this album called License to Kill. No, I'm serious. And then they just named a real movie after that? Yes, then they named a real James Bond movie License to Kill. Not the best James Bond movie, by the way. Timothy Dalton, I believe. Um. Uh. Okay, I just looked on Wikipedia. Do you want to share what the group originally wanted the album to be called? I do not, and they apologized <laughs> for it, and let's move on. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm like, holy shit. Can you imagine if that was the name, and you're like, now the next? <laughs> that would really make me put my money where my mouth is and say, I still stand behind the music. You gotta separate the music. <laughs> I really be going out on a limb on that one. Yeah, <laughs> no. All right, who do you got next? Uh, okay, next. Uh, Tears for Fears, song from the big chair. I would say in terms of quintessential 80s sound, this is the most in the bullseye, in my opinion. Are you familiar with Tears for Fears? go on no i'm not you know the song shout shout yes. shout let it no out. no really? i was thinking of a different song shout actually oh you're thinking of twist and shout well wait a minute you know the song makes me want to shout yeah oh yeah, shout. yeah what about the song everybody wants to rule the world yes i know that okay that's from this this is a really good album. 
in my opinion. I don't know if other people agree. It's really 80s synth over-the-top stuff. If you look at the cover of the album, it also adds to that super 80s vibe. They've got the long, like with a way too much hair look of the 80s where it's like, I can't believe guys had like wore their hair like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, it. I, I mean, to me, this is a great album and actually like front to back, really solid listen. Um, I mean, Shout is, was, I think it was a pretty big hit. It's decent. Everybody Wants to Rule the World is probably the one that's held up the most. Um, Head Over Heels is fantastic, in my opinion. I, I feel a little embarrassed, to be honest, with a lot of this stuff, because it is like, it does, to me, sort of feel like 80s cheese. Kind of like oh, cheesy okay. 80s that's... movies. There's like cheesy yeah. 80s music. But I think it's actually good cheesy 80s music. It's not like, you know, a flock of seagulls or something. It's, I don't know, to me, this this is like actually good a good album I'll add it to the list because uh, most of this episode has been stuff that I should listen to but have not oh. ever listened to well I'll create the playlist yeah you should I, I will actually listen to that a lot this time yeah I guess um, last thing I'm not sure if it's inspired by it but it might be you know the big chair near uh <laughs> near georgetown yes songs from the big chair big i think it might have been inspired by that chair so it turns out those big chairs are pretty common really yeah there's like three of them in philly no way i didn't know that i've never seen another yeah, one yeah no i've seen i've seen a couple more and, uh, like Adirondack chairs? That's what that um, chair is. Like that exact same, same giant style chair that has like the wooden slats. Um, is that called an Adirondack chair? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so it's those. Um, there's one by the harbor in, uh, uh, in mm. Philly. I never knew that. I kind of want to go find one though. There's probably one. You just got to... Uh, uh, you still haven't found what you're looking for, huh? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. All right, what's next? Okay, I think our next one might be an overlap because uh, mine is U2's 1987 album, The Joshua Tree. Sorry, Joshua yeah. Tree, I don't think it's The Joshua Tree. I got that You have too. that as well, correct? Yeah. Oh, it is The Joshua Tree. It's not Joshua Tree. Okay. Yeah. Um, U2 was a, a a pretty seminal 80s era rock band yeah this is their seminal album i don't think i think they sort of you know they didn't like fall off a cliff after this but in terms of impact of the music i think this was probably peak yeah no and like you said i mean i think they still came out with good albums into the 90s 2000s maybe pushing it a little decent albums 
But yeah, this was. Yeah, but when you think peak. about like the classic U two songs, it's it's yeah. these ones. Yeah. With or without you, uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Where the streets have no name. It's pretty solid. First three songs. Yeah, that's about, that may be one of the best three song yeah. suites in in rock. I will be honest. I did put this on this as my top thing, and like, I usually am like, I'm gonna listen to Joshua Tree, and then I listen to this first thing, I'm like, God damn, that was so good. And then I usually am like, the rest of the album is doesn't really hold up as good as those songs are so good, right? I mean, do yeah. you agree? No, I totally like. Agree. I know, I know these songs, at least some of them, but they're not as good. No, they're not. Whoa. I keep dropping this thunderstorm. Um, uh, I actually a boom, but only in my apartment. And I feel like, I feel like, um, like you said, U two is one of the seminal bands of the eighties. I feel like they were. Do you think that they were at one point in their career they were like the biggest band in the world? Oh yeah, I yeah. think it was right around this. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. It'd be fun to like track who the biggest, like, you know, the passing of the baton from the biggest of the biggest band in the world, right? Like, it's probably like Beatles, Rolling Stones. I don't know. It, after yeah, that, but. I think around this time it would be easier to track also because you would go by Billboard charts and album sales because that was how people mm-hmm. uh, were exposed to music. I feel like now it would be streaming numbers. Yeah. Um, plus minus concert attendance. I'm not sure. There's probably yeah. people whose jobs it is to figure this type of stuff out. Yeah. But U2 is definitely it. Yes. And like right around late 80s, now in early the 80s. 90s. Yeah. Yeah, it was them. Um, fun facts about this album from iHeart.com. Mm. Bono wanted a desert to represent the album following a trip to the arid climate of Ethiopia. Mm. The singer explained they may have a physical desert, but we've got other kinds of deserts. <laughs> How do you feel about Bono? Bono. Uh, Bono. I think he's lovable. He's, he's doing his best. He's very pretentious. He is, but he had, I mean, at some point, he was the biggest rock star in the world. If you're not, like, at least, yeah, at least it makes sense why he's pretentious, right? If anyone's yeah, going to be pretentious, like it should this, be Bono. Yeah, he's the same kind of pretentious as Sean Penn, in my mind. Right. Yeah. Someone who uh, is very rich, but at least they recognize that they are very rich and more privileged than 99% of humanity and are trying to do something in their own way to, to help others, I guess. Yes. But also just they're a little bit tone deaf and the way they do it it's kind um, of annoying. Makes it more about them than about the people they're trying to help. Exactly. It's true. I did have a when I was in probably middle school. My mom bought me 
a, a one t-shirt that was like Bono had like created this clothing brand where things would go help kids in Africa or something. And I had a t-shirt and I think they and had the iP- iPod thing, right? Like red. Yeah. That was big. It was a um, cultural thing. Kids today wouldn't understand. Uh, Brian Eno almost intentionally trashed where the streets have no name because the band was taking too long to get it right. He felt they'd be better off if he accidentally, quote, accidentally erased all the tapes so the group would be forced to start fresh. He set the tapes up to be recorded over, but an engineer saw what Eno was doing, dropped a tray of tea, and physically restrained him from going through with it. What? Holy crap. Wait, he thought that... Why was he going to do this again? He thought that they would be better off just starting the track fresh because they were taking too what long an to idiot. get it right. <laughs> what an idiot. Classic Brian Eno. We got multiple Brian Eno produced albums here and throwback to our MGMT episode or whatever. Best of yeah. 2000s, maybe? Yeah. Great song. Brian Eno, this was his time to shine. Um, um, anything else about uh, Joshua, the Joshua Tree? Uh, I would just note that the cover is like pretty classic band cover. Yes. They're all looking in Apparently. different. Or actually, only Bono is looking in a different direction. Bono's not like the other girls. Why is his name Bono? Um, because he does good. Yeah. And why is why is the guitar the lead guitarist named The Edge? <laughs> this is first I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> uh, um, okay. Mostly just trash you two there. <laughs> no, but it's a good album. We we like you too. I do, I do, I like you too. I like you too. Yeah, they're just you know It's good nostalgia music for me. Anyone who is ever that big has to have a thick skin because uh, 30, 40 years later, some podcasters are probably going to take the piss out of them. Yeah, some losers. Who's your next uh, album? My next album, if we're really talking about pretentious lead singers, look no further than The Smiths and Morrissey, who by all accounts Ooh. is a total prick and asshole. Regularly yes. cancels concerts like day of or walks off halfway um okay i take back all the things we said about bono at least he's like a good like (laughs) if you buy tickets to a u2 concert you're gonna have a great time it's gonna be fucking awesome i I have seen u2 in concert they were was it good Um, yeah it was amazing actually muse opened for them that That would have been great that would have been great if you went to a morrissey concert he probably wouldn't have showed up would maybe get your money back you would have just wasted all your time he's a total asshole yeah but i but the smiths are a good band uh so i picked the queen is dead by the smiths they they have a lot of good albums well they don't have many albums but i think all their albums are pretty good um so the queen is dead uh, I think it was, it's not their first album. It's kind of like in the middle. 
of their career, 1986. Um, probably biggest hit, I guess, is Big Mouth Strikes Again. Um, but honestly, oh no, sorry, There Is a Light That Never Goes Out is also a great one. Um, it's probably my favorite song from this. But this is a really good album. I mean, obviously, it's on my top 10. Uh, it actually is one, though, that all the songs are really good. It's a good listen. Um, as annoying as Morrissey is, like, I think he's a good songwriter and, like, clever and funny. And that's why people like him. But, you know, he's he's a talented artist, but he just takes himself way too seriously. Um, he must have been extremely difficult to work with in a band. He's famous for, I mean, you probably, going back to him being an asshole. He's famous for, like, if you play, if he plays at your venue, you're not allowed to sell any meat or have any like meat products otherwise he will not show up i think he recently played a show at the hollywood bowl last year sang one song and then was like it's too cold for my vocal cords so i'm leaving <laughs> like, so i feel like at this point though you have to know if you're gonna see morrissey it's like at best 50% chance that he's going to actually play a full concert. Why would you ever pay money then for that situation? I don't know. Situation? I, I, I don't know. Or he's going to get into an argument with somebody. He's just a he's just a jerk. He's like an asshole. He's crotchety. And I think he always kind of was. So, I mean, um, there's... There's tortured genius, sure, whatever, but no, he's some an of asshole. the stuff you're describing and some of the stuff I've read about him, he doesn't sound like, regardless of how good his work is, doesn't sound like he should be getting passes for any of his behavior, you know? No. I, I am surprised that people still buy tickets to go. Hmm. Um, so this is not about this album, but did you know that the Smiths and Morrissey are very, very popular in Mexico? I did not. They're huge. Like, if he goes tours in Mexico, he'd probably get a bigger attendance than in the U.S. And Would he I show? once read... Would he play? I think he there, probably... So vocal cords can handle Yeah, that. yeah. Um... I read an article about this once. I just kind of stumbled upon it that his, a lot of his music is kind of, it's funny yet dark, um, but kind of like, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's like, I guess it's dark, but it's kind of just like, kind of like tongue in cheek. And it's like, it's okay that it's dark. Like that's life. Uh, and apparently that really resonates with like Mexican culture for some reason like kind of funny yet dark music really big um so i just thought that was a fun fact do you are you a fan of the smiths at all 
I think I've probably listened to some songs here and there. Um, but no, I wouldn't say that I'm a big Smiths fan. I would recommend There Is a Light That Never Goes Out. It's a song about... I think I've heard that one. Yeah. We'll always be, I guess, in love, even when we die. And some of the lyrics are, if a ten... If a double-decker bus crashes into us to die by your side, there's a heavenly pl- there's a heavenly way to die. So there you go. That's kind of the quint- quintessence of the Smiths, I think. I guess that's romantic. Sure. He's also okay. apparently like celibate. Just throwing that out there. Voluntarily or? I think the rumor is that he's a quasi-closeted gay man who is I don't know why it's his lifestyle he's just so maybe to be he'd be happier if he was out I think that's the leading theory on why he's such a dick I, I think okay. that's I think most people are like yeah we know why huh. uh, what do you got next um, next on my list, let me just double check the chronology. Yes, uh, this is my second 1987 album. This is uh, another overlap album. Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, came out July 1st, yeah. 1987. Great album. Guns N' Roses' first legitimately. album. Legitimately. Um, it is a legitimately great album. Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, Sweet Child of Mine are probably the top three on it. Yeah introduced the world to Guns N' Roses who in the same way that uh, that U2 and Black Sabbath to a degree and you know some of the ones that you are, are on your uh, side I think Guns N' Roses to me kind of defines the 80s uh, vibe a little bit yeah of, uh, it, it, would, would you say they're hair metal or is that different uh kind of but it's like a little hard like it's it feels like more than hair metal right yeah it's it's hard rock it's like pure hard rock it's not metal um so it's not like black sabbath it's it's uh u2 is a little bit softer for sure yeah and and they're to me they're in the same um genre as acdc yeah but like more hard rock even like edgier right Introduced the world to Slash, who is one of the all-time great rock caricatures or personas, whatever you want to call it. And Axl Rose. I mean, again, talking about, like, very difficult, (laughs) like, personalities. Um, Uh, You know who's not a douche is uh, Slash. Really? Good guy? Yeah, he's actually a really normal guy, uh, at least from the interviews and stuff that I've seen of him. I listened to him on the Conan O'Brien podcast, and it's just like an hour of him being super normal. That's good. And, uh, that makes me happy. And, yeah, he was like, yeah, you know, I was just like a guitar player. They wanted me to sort of have a have shtick, and I had this big hat, so I put it on, and people seemed to like that, so that's just sort of what I did going forward. So my my dad told me he saw Guns N' Roses... Um, I guess 
probably right after Appetite for Destruction came out. They were the opening band for the Rolling Stones. Oh, wow. And he said, yeah, I think he saw them at like the LA Forum or something. And he said half of the crowd left after Guns N' Roses played. I mean, this is Rolling like Stones. They, like they only wanted to see Guns N' Roses. <laughs> they were there for Guns N' Roses, yeah. That's... Which is pretty crazy. Um, you know what? I've been in that situation. I've, I've been in the situation where I only want to see the opener. Yeah, but this is like for the Rolling Stones. It's like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's 80s well, Rolling my Stones. my situation was I wanted to see Spoon. Ooh. And they were opening for R.E.M. Ah, uh, that, that's a similar situation. But way less hard rock. <laughs> uh, so I always just kind of liked the, na- the the songs that you mentioned. Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, Sweet Child of Mine. Mm-hmm. And like a few years ago, I actually was like, I'm going to listen to this album in its entirety. And I was actually very surprised at how much I liked it. Because I don't really listen to other stuff. I would say it is like, it's like pretty raunchy. And mm-hmm. um, some of the stuff, if you, ever listen to, if you ever listen to the song, It's So Easy. Yes. <laughs> that song, like, I would never want anyone to see, I would never want to be in the car with someone that I play It's So Easy. But I actually really like that song a lot. The B side of it's so easy is Mr. Brownstone, <laughs> which is also <laughs> which is about heroin. Yeah, they were sitting around the apartment complaining about their addiction to heroin, and then they wrote this song. Yeah. Um, the night train. <laughs> I like that song. It's a good one. Um, honestly, this is like pure, just enjoyment music. And you can't take it too seriously. And it's just fun shit. And I just, I view it as like the same as other stuff like that, right? Where it's like, I don't condone any of this shit, but I think it's fun to listen to. And you know know what though? Sweet Child of Mine? Just a sweet song. Like a nice song. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like playing Grand Theft Auto, like listening to this album. It's like, I don't condone this, but it's fun. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good way of describing it. Um, anything else about this album? I would just say, um, going back to songs that would, if you're like, in listening to, or if you're running, and it just comes on, and you're like, oh yeah, I ran a marathon a couple years ago, and there was one part where they had like really loud speakers. And they were playing Welcome to the Jungle. And it really... Oh, that would be good. ...riled me up. Like, the the opening guitar, uh, like, whatever solo is cool. And then <laughs> I just always love the part where he says, um, you're going to die. <laughs> I don't know why. It just really speaks to me. That's how you me, feel you when know? you're running a marathon. You're going to die. That part is, that part is actually amazing. All right. Um, you go. I think uh, I. I think me, that's it for me. That's all. That's all your albums, or all. That's. It's all my albums. Oh. 
Okay. Um, I think I only have a couple left, so. Oh, yeah, that is all your albums. We did because we had the, the two overlap ones. overlaps. So my last two then are George Michael, uh, Faith from 1987. It's pretty 80s. It is pretty 80s. Part of why I chose it. Also um, has some really entertaining songs on it. It's his debut studio album. Um, like as a solo artist. Uh, like a not wham uh, record and has some fun songs which uh, faith is great i want your sex is great probably those are the two songs that i've listened to the most on this <laughs> what about i want um, your, what do you like better i want your sex part one or part two so there's a i want your sex monogamy mix <laughs> what with uh, the parts titled Rhythm 1, Lust, and Rhythm 2, Brass and Love. Oh my god. Uh, my favorite song is probably Faith. It's a good song. I remember it from that ABC show that was on after Lost. Yeah. Do you, remember, you know Eli, what I'm talking about? Yeah, Eli something. Eli Manning? Nope. Eli Whitney? <laughs> no, that was a cotton gin. Um, Eli show... After Lost. Show George Michael. That was about like a lawyer who had weird visions or something. Eli Stone. That's it. Yes. And George uh, Michael was in it. Cameo. He was in it. He did cameo in it because uh, there was a lot of George Michael songs. It was a good. It was a good show, but um, it was a good intro for young me to this type of this music and probably why i like it honestly do you remember they're fun songs do you remember the reference of george michael in the it crowd no uh it's (laughs) it's from the one where they go see gay the musical and (laughs) remember they think the guy that uh, jen goes on a date with is gay or Roy says that he's he's gay, and Moss walks in. He's like, they're talking about. It. He's like, oh, I kn- if I know who you're talking about, he is definitely gay. And they're like, what? He's like, and furthermore, he's been he's been gay since Wham. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> uh, that's a funny show. Great show. Um. Anyways, good album. Uh. I've never listened to George Michael, really. Do you like Wham? Um, yes. I think I like solo George Michael more. Interesting. But uh, Wham, Who's I the think other guy? I basically... In, the other guy in Wham? Yeah. Andrew Ridgely. Wham songs and, that I know are basically just wake me up before you go go and that's it. Yeah. Which um that's one of those ones that like looking at the songs from the 80s that's a great song and that's like a uh has a lot of staying power doesn't correspond to a good album. Hard to make Yeah, it it's very list. true. It's very true. There's a lot of those songs. Yeah. Um 
don't have much else to say about this album, but uh, pretty good. You should check it out. And then my last one is <clears throat> De La Soul's 1989 album, Three Feet High and Rising. I was surprised to see this. I this didn't know is the one fan. that's not on uh, on Spotify. De La Soul's stuff is currently not fully on Spotify. Some of it is. Mm. Apparently, there's some rumors that it'll be coming uh, to streaming services in March. 2023 but there have been rumors in the past few years about that too and one of the issues specifically is that this album which was their first album has like a ton of samples and getting the rights is uh is hard and then also Mm -hmm. there's been some like financing shenanigans with the original producer who claims that de la soul owes them two million dollars and so he was getting they were only going to get like 10 percent of each stream payment and 20% were going to go to this producer, and then all the uh, executives at the streaming services didn't like that. So I don't know. So there's a lot of complicated finance stuff, and that's why it's not on there. But uh, the album itself, unrelated to that, is really good. De La Soul, unrelated to that, is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and now now I know why you like De La Soul. I was trying to make, I was like, I didn't know you like De La Soul. And I just, I, I, I was exposed to De La Soul from the gorillas. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, I've listened to a lot of them unrelated to the gorillas um, but definitely my introduction was the gorillas yeah I w- uh, yeah yeah I wasn't just like searching for foundational 80s rap but yeah I will say I do like that genre of music and um, uh, Jurassic 5 is that around this time too what is it J- Jurassic 5. I don't know. Hip hop group. I've been listening to a lot of them this year. I don't know why. No, it's ninety four. But so that that style of like early hip hop, I do enjoy. And De La Soul yeah. is probably one of the pioneers of that. And this is like sort of tail end of the eighties. Yeah. When this is a good you can you oh go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say this is a good one. I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I I agree. This is great. I just remember there are a lot of songs, right? It's long. It's a, there are a lot of songs, yeah. But um, I guess some are skits. You can listen to most of them right now on SoundCloud, but not all of them. Oh. can't listen to a lot of them on YouTube. You cannot, wow. Yeah, and then last year, or maybe two years ago now, I forget, but uh, the song Three is the Magic Number was the uh, yeah. credit song in Spider-Man No Way Home. Right, that's right. That's a good one. Yeah. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, all of De La Soul is probably worth checking out. It's hard to check out, though. So hopefully that becomes easier. What else? What are other good albums? Um, other good oh. albums. They had they had one a couple of years ago that I really liked, actually. Um, I would like to listen to more of them. I think they're, yeah, they're really good. Do you, um, have you ever listened to a Tribe Called Quest? I have, I yeah. For some reason, I always like think of these two together. Yeah, I think they're sort of intertwined in... Because they're kind of like early, like into, more like, not intellectual, but like clever, I guess, hip-hop. Yeah. 
maybe like jazz samples and stuff like that. Jazzy. Oh, so I just pulled them up on uh, Spotify, De La Soul, and I think that the rumor that it's coming out on streaming services is true because their most two recent albums are singles that are songs from this uh, record. So The Magic uh, Number is listed as a 2023 single, and I Know is listed as a 2023 single. It's a good song. Yeah, so hopefully... It comes out soon. Um, that would be great. Bl- Otherwise, I can't. I'm blanking on the list. name of the. Oh, it's and the anonymous nobody. It's not too recent, actually. It's 2016. But I really liked that when it came out. 2016. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm also doing digging in the background and yeah, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, they definitely collaborated with each other. Yeah, that makes sense. Like work with each other. I really like their album cover too. Mm -hmm. It feels like very DIY and I don't know, the flowers are cool. And not one of their songs, but uh, a song that they're on. Super fast jellyfish with the gorillas. Great song. Oh. I'll, I'll be honest. I forgot that we have, I forgot that they were, <laughs> we created playlists with these. But it makes you want to like, can you combine, do you know, can you combine multiple playlists from Spotify into one big playlist? Um, and you then can shuffle like- it. Yeah, well, you can make a new playlist and just copy the songs from one to the other. That's probably what we should do. Yeah. Um, is it easy or is it like a lot of... No, it's pretty easy. Just control A and drag it to the other playlist. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, we should do that because I, I think there are a few of them that I forgot to click join in time and then the link's expired. So we should oh, redo yeah. some of the playlists. But I think that's all of our top 10 albums right that's it this was a hard one this uh but we did it and i'm proud of us yeah and actually once we once we started getting into it i realized that there are a lot of there are good albums there are good albums. maybe not a lot maybe there are 20 or i mean if i had to rank the decade so far that we've done this is definitely the worst one for me yeah like I'd go 2010s, yeah. 2000s, 90s, 2000s, 2020s, and then 80s so far. I would just go 2010s and then keep counting backwards. So two, so the only difference is 2000s over 90s. Where do the 2020s fit in for you? Non-existent. Uh, <laughs> um, Ask me again you... in 2030. <laughs> If you had to pick like an um, a defining theme of the decade, which is hard when there's like a lot of different styles of music and you know you can't do that necessarily, but if you had to pick one, what would you say defined the 1980s musically? What I think of is when I think of 80s music is like the ch- 80s cheesy stuff. 
Yeah, I agree. Like music from like Top Gun, like take my breath, <laughs> take your breath away, you know? Yeah. That's what I think. What do you think? Yeah, I think Danger Zone. If Danger Zone had an album that was yeah. as good, that would be definitely on this list. But uh... I don't know, man. Top Gun soundtrack. You got those two songs. That's the whole album. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, and then if you had to combine any two albums that we've mentioned so far for the 80s into one super album, what would you do? I would pick I'm going to go serious this time <laughs> and also acknowledge that I have not listened to this album I'm going to go Prince Purple Rain with Paul Simon Graceland Ooh. sounds like a good combo that does sound like it could be a good combo um... what about you? I was going to say Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction with ACDC back in black because they're like similar and be similar energy. But now I'm thinking maybe that would be too much like the original product to make an interesting yeah. like combo. So I'm going to go Appetite for Destruction and Thriller. Oh. The Thrill for Destruction. Yes. Ooh. We already have the mashup album name. If you saw that show, like uh, Guns N' Roses opening for Michael Jackson, I don't. That would be a pretty amazing show. Plus, it would be fun to see Guns N' Roses fans and Michael Jackson fans together. I'm not yeah, sure. There's probably a lot mix. more overlap than you would think. Yeah, that's probably true. Um. 70s 70s are going to be better 70s are going to be i'm looking forward to it yeah it'll be a good time Any, uh what uh, recommendations oh sorry go ahead i was going to ask the exact same question as you so, yeah so any recommendations yeah. i do i do um i've been listening to the singer rosalia have she's you ever good. heard of her yeah yeah she's yeah. good i like it um i, I guess it's like falls under the umbrella of like latin pop music mm-hmm. a little bit of reggaeton actually a lot of reggaeton but i think it's it's a little broader than that um I've listened to her i think her newest album like moto mommy yeah um it's good it i like interestingly it named songs on it like hentai yes <laughs> i listened to that i'm like what is I listened, uh, I don't know, whatever. It, it's weird. It also has the week, I, I has the weekend. And uh, I remember when I first listened to that song, I was like, wow, this Latino guy sounds a lot like the weekend. And I was like, oh, damn, it is the weekend just singing in Spanish. Um, uh, that's a good one. No, what about you? Nice. My Rex. Oh, wait, can I also say, did you recommend last time um, Poker Face? Yes. I started watching it. I really like it. It's true. It's uh, yeah. My wife doesn't like so it far. as much. Um, oh, really? Yeah. We were, uh, 
we meant to keep watching it, but we ended up finishing Andor because that took a while. Ah. Have you seen Andor? No, I heard it was really good though. All right, I'll make that my rec then because I was struggling. Um, watch Andor. It's probably the best Star Wars thing that's been created in uh, in a while. I, I think it may be the best thing in this modern era of Star Wars. Uh, but also Rogue One came out in this modern era of Star Wars and uh, you know so Andor That's is good. prequel to Rogue One and they're very similar um, uh, vibes it's actually this this director of Rogue One the one who actually ended up shooting most of it is Tony Gilroy and I don't know if I don't think he's listed as the actual director because um, it was one of those sort of in the background. Yeah, it, he's listed as it's listed as being directed by Gareth Edwards, but there was all this drama early on with mm. the directors for the Star Wars things, and um, seems like, like Ron Howard ended up filming Solo, but the uh, Chris Lord and Phil Miller were hired initially. But so for Rogue One, Gareth Edwards was directing it, but he wasn't a good director, and they like secretly fired him, and Tony Gilroy took over, and he shot mm. most of it, and. Tony Gilroy created the series, Andor. They okay. worked on it for a while, and it's sort of like a prequel to his, where he ends up in that movie. And normally I don't love prequels, actually, but this one has a story that's interesting to tell on its own, it's sort of about like the realities of living in a police state. And Rogue One was a prequel. I mean, sort of. It wasn't a prequel, but it was immediately before... The first Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty right, like immediately in that sense. Yeah, yeah, like the last scene of Rogue One leads into. Episode yeah, one. yeah. Is Donnie Yen in it? Donnie Yen is not in it. Ah, I'm out. He might, maybe he'll be in later seasons. I don't know. Forrest Whitaker is in it though. Oh, I liked his character too. Mads Mikkelsen, not Mads Mikkelsen. Um, Oh god, who's that guy who plays the scientist in the Thor movies? Oh. Yeah, the Swedish guy. Stellan Skarsgård. Yes. Yes, he's in it. He's good. Okay. Worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. It's all unrelated to that. You should read Mistborn Era too cuz um halfway through Band of Morning and it's really good. All right, it's my next book. Once I finish the book I'm reading right now, I'm going to what are you reading now? I'm reading uh, Cloud Cuckoo Land. It's a book club Heard of it. book. It's it's decent. It's picking up steam. I think it was like one of those like New York Times bestseller books. It's not as good as Mistborn, though. I'll be honest. Brando Sando. There's no Sandra Lynch in Cloud Cuckoo Land. <laughs> no. That would be cool if they started flying and like fighting each other and then Spren appeared. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for the 80s. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, check us out next time. See ya. See you in the 70s.